This is Talking Dirty, Get Gardening's podcast for plant lovers. The video version is available on our Get Gardening YouTube channel, so you can head over there if you want to see our ugly mugs, and there are pictures of the plants there as well. There are full plant lists on our Twitter and Instagram at Get Gardening Now, so go check those out. But without further ado, let's start Talking Dirty. And welcome to episode 60 of Talking Dirty. And boy, oh boy, have we lined up something special for the podcast today. Over at East Ruston Old Vicarage, absolutely smothered in patterns, stripes and checks all over the place, we have (laughs) Alan Edward Herbert Gray, our happy and very handsome horticulturalist. Well, thank you for that, because over in Cambridgeshire, looking um, patterned and pastel, shall I say, we have Thordis Maria <laughs> Sophia Friedrichsen, and you have a very cheery smile on what is a very cheery day after yesterday when we were all, shall I say, swamped? Yes, it was very rainy yesterday. The sun has returned. I'm in my new floral dungarees. Special yeah. occasion. We've got to match the florals of our guest, who is famed for his shirts. This we've just worked out in our before podcast chat is a particularly good episode for Mike Clifford to return on. We've matched our episode number with your age. Mike, John Clifford, I think we established on your last appearance on Talking Dirty. Welcome back to the podcast. Pleasure, glad to be back. Do you know, when you came on before, I, I think you might be the most requested return guest we had so many people who instantly said please can we get Mike back (laughs) his knowledge his planty show and tell was something else of course you're someone who just loves to grow unusual plants yeah yeah, the rarer the better last night uh, in the dark I picked out a few of the special ones that I could find uh, to show today if you're watching the video it's almost hard to believe that this um, set dressing occurred under cover of darkness. If I dress in the dark, it doesn't look that good. Uh, We have got (laughs) such an array of plants to talk about. Um, So I think without further ado, let's just start talking about your plants and your growing season. It's been a strange old year when we were talking to Krieg a couple of episodes back. They were talking about that. How's it been in your garden? Well, it's strange because I I watched that episode and I, I totally agreed. But my garden's the best it's ever looked at the moment. It's really strange. It was such a late start, but very wet. And a lot of the plants I grow, unlike sort of some of the stuff, they, they like wet mountains. Like, you know, they, they like that moisture later on. And the heat and the moisture has just uh, it's gone mad this year. It's really the best it's ever looked. I've really opened up our garden a few weeks ago and uh, it looked spectacular. So I was, I was really pleased with that. But, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a good year. Good year for growing. Lost a few things early on in March when we had those late frosts. But in my garden, you lose a few bits. It means I can buy a few more bits. Because <laughs> it is that the garden is so small that it really is a right, unless something dies or, or moves or I get rid of something, I can't really have anything else. So it's always a. Just creates a vacancy, which is a, a gift to you, really, because I mean, I know that you've always got something interesting coming on from seed. Can I just ask you? On your, just over your left shoulder, there looks to be a variegated echeveria on that little stand. No, your, your left. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, it's beautiful. Compton Carousel. Is that difficult to propagate? Apparently not. It pups very easily around the outside. And right. It's, it's supposed to be very easy to, to propagate from. I was speaking to that. I bought it at a plant fair at Abbotsbury in June. Yeah. Uh, it's quadrupled in size since I bought it. Goodness me. 
The reason I ask is I've just I've just got a new one in my collection. I and I, I potted it on Sunday and I just wondered how quickly it was gonna whether I was gonna whether it was gonna give pups or whether I was gonna have to take off leaves basically. No, I think the gentleman said it, it pups quite readily. He was quite surprised mine hadn't pupped at that size already. And uh, he said it's easier from pups. So I'll yes. probably be inclined to wait till it pups. And then I bet just, I bet just explain, Mike, to people that maybe not realise what we're not talking about dogs, is that pups in this case refers to the, the yeah. baby rosettes produced at the bottom of the mother rosette. Um, and Mike's now going to show you exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, ah, yes. So... There's Compton Carousel, and it's already starting to pup. That's when it produces a new baby Echeveria, which you can when which when it get big when it gets big enough, you can take that off and root it in very gritty mixture, yeah. um, and yeah, there you go with a new plant. Yeah, it's a be beautiful, beautiful Echeveria, one of my favourites. Yeah, I think I noticed on your um, talking of your succulents, I think I noticed on your Instagram that you had that wonderful one Mardi Gras that flew Ooh. onto my Flomo list when uh, I visited Dean Crouch's garden down sort of Somerset Devonway. And uh, yeah, you have a very nice specimen of that. Yeah, it's actually branched now. I haven't taken any cuttings off it yet, but it's always time for me. So uh, I propagate a lot of plants every year, but it's uh, that'll, that'll be propagated next year. And then I'll just pass those pups on to other people. I can only really ever keep one plant of everything. I can't really keep lots of plants. So uh, propagation is my passion as well. So that's, that's the thing I love to do. Propagate it, pass it on. Grow marvellous, amazing plants and pass it on. And uh, I went to uh, RHS Wisley uh, a couple of weeks ago to see a few of the plants that I'd sent up there two years ago, met with Matthew. And uh, this, is, this is one of them. So this is this year's ceiling of a Masanga. Cacropria, a giant tropical tree. And uh, the, the ones I gave to Wisley were about three of three foot high. They're now about nine foot high and they are <laughs> stunning. It is, they, they planted, I think they planted, I gave them five, I think they planted at least four out in the tropical greenhouse down there. And they look absolutely amazing. But it's lovely to give because it's a tropical tree. It's actually um, used as cork. So it's, it's a very fast growing tree. It's a substitute for cork. I also found out today that uh, medicinally it's used to treat lepers. So that's, that's handy. <laughs> Multi-useful tree. But the, the, the plant itself is stunning at Wisley. If you get to go there, you, you'll see them down by the pond uh, overhanging with these big, it's called an umbrella tree as well. It has these massive umbrella leaves. It's, it's superb. Yeah, I love to see plants grown to their full potential. So that's what I do. I grow things, grow them to a certain bit, then pass them on. You did look like you had quite the spree at Wisley. Oh, it's amazing, yeah. I get, there was a, a giant lobelia as well that uh, I gave them at the same time, which I've got this one so at the same time in my garden. It's about six foot tall. It's called lobelia bambusetia. Uh, theirs is 15 foot tall. Oh, goodness. Hopefully it will flower and it will probably throw up a three, four metre flower spike as well. Um, so I'm fingers crossed that there's flowers because it's in the perfect condition. It's enormous. So uh, that was another one. But it's, it's lovely to go there and see the plants that you've, you've donated that are growing into perfection, grown to perfection by those, uh, those, those guys. 
Now, people obviously need to go and watch your first appearance on Talking Dirty when we heard a bit more about your garden and your sort of history. But you mentioned it's small. For people who maybe have only now meeting you, yeah. uh, just explain the space you're working with, because we've yeah. now got a real concept of the size of plants yes. you often tend yeah. to grow. Yeah, so, so my garden is 60 foot long by 30 foot wide. And within that space, there's a garage. There's two 8 by 12 greenhouses. There's an eight foot octagonal greenhouse, a four meter square summer house, a six before shed, um, a pond and a patio. And uh, in amongst there is a multitude of rare and unusual plants um, crammed in. Uh, some, my wife calls it an obsession rather than a garden. <laughs> no, I can't resist, can't resist it. I went to Cornwall a few weeks back and came back with a carload, 66 plants I think I had in the car. Some of them I yeah, I saw that picture. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I was so jealous, though. It looked like you had such a great time. Yeah, well, I actually got my the Flomo from last time, which was the Gunnera. Uh, I've actually got one of those as well now. So uh, I've, got the, I've got my favourite Gunnera, Gunnera Insignis. It's uh, a superb plant. Little red hairs on the top. Doesn't get quite as big as Manicata, so it should be... Uh, I've actually got a manicata by the pond, which is enormous, which I'm actually giving to a, a tropical nursery. <laughs> They're having that. So that just makes room for another one. <laughs> but, uh, I better, better start talking about some of the plants. Well, yeah, because you are surrounded. If you're listening to the audio version, at least click on to the video version so you can just see. We'll try and get a photo of you just surrounded by your plants on our, our social media or something, because it's like you're in the jungle. Um, where would you like to start with your show and tell, Mike? I'd like to start, and this is why I went down to Wisley, actually, because last time I was there, I told them I was growing Depia splendens, which is a golden fuchsia. And uh, I took them down a, a three-foot plant for them to grow to collection. But my plant, which I've had for three years, is now probably about seven foot tall and full of flower. So these are the, the flowers. I was hoping that they would be out today, but they're very slow to open up. But it's absolutely full of flower. And this is quite a rare plant, the Depia splendens. It's, uh, it's not actually a fuchsia. Uh, it's called a golden fuchsia, but it's actually... Um, it's, it's actually part of the coffee family. So it, it grows as a tree. Uh, it's from, well, I've written this down this time because I always forget, Southern Mexico. So it's from Southern Mexico and it's absolutely stunning. The leaves are fantastic, but the flowers when they come out, oh, they're just something else. I was, I was hoping it was going to be full of flower for this, but uh, <laughs> never, never worked like that. So uh, is so that one you've uh, had to coss it over the winter? Not, not really. It's, it's quite, it comes from cool, cool forests. So it's, it's not too bad. It's just a lot of the plants I grow, uh, I can keep them just above, above freezing. Uh, like my, uh, I'll show you this. I just, this fell off. This is my, one of the leaves from my uh, Begonia luxuriance. Where is it from? It's from the, it's from the rainforest anyway. It's a rainforest plant. But look at the size of that leaf. It's amazing. And this, just sits under my carport here over winter. Um, I don't give it any heat. Uh, I take loads of cuttings ready for next year, just in case, but it always comes through. And at the moment, I couldn't bring it in here because it's nine foot tall. It's absolutely immense. And I've already cut two lots of flowers off it this year. So that's, that's one of my faves. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful begonia. And when you say your carport, how much protection is that giving the plants? Well, carport, it's a plant port. 
So that's, this goes right. <laughs> it's my plant port. This car is never going in here. <laughs> it's purely just my plant port. It's, it's covered at the top. I've put some sheeting up at the side to stop the rain coming through. There's a little gap for air. And in the winter, when I walk through past my garage, I just put up a tarpaulin uh, just, to, just to keep it reasonably frost free. It, it goes down to about, I think it's been down to minus one in there last year, but only for a, a fleeting couple of nights. So uh, most of the plants survive fine. They're all packed in together here in the winter and uh, they seem to do fine. They seem to love it. That might be Pagoni Luxurians comes from the rainforests of Brazil. Brazil, it was Brazil, right. That's brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's fantastic though. So mine's, mine's nine foot tall this year. It's, it's that's amazing. I mean, mine doesn't get as big as that, but I mean, that is amazing. Nine, no, I mean, that's, it beggars belief almost. Yeah, yeah, they grow, they grow pretty big. And that, that leaf there is almost two foot across. It's, uh, I think I measured it the other night when I did a, a feed, but uh, that's off now. So, right, next, another, another of my favourite plants. I grow three, four different types of giant tree daisies. Uh, this is one of them. This is a Montanoa. Um, the leaves are absolutely stunning. Um, and I don't think I'll ever get it to flower because it gets too big, but uh, I grow it for the foliage alone and that, that's in the border uh, in a pot. I don't, I don't plant it out because it's too much to dig up each year. So, uh, and that, that will just sit in an unheated greenhouse um, at the bottom of the garden over winter. So another, Another fantastic plant. Um, I'm not so good on the actual proper botanical ways of describing sort of leaf dissection like that. But if you're listening to the audio version, you don't know a tree daisy. It's got such interesting leaves. I mean, you know, it's not like necessarily a Manahot Grahamii, but it's that kind of finger <laughs> effect going yes, on. That's so interesting. Tetrapanics, sort of fingered, fingered leaves. Um, and, the, and, it, and it's uh, Montanoa bipinatifida which I think means divided, um, like the Solanum by Pinafidida. It's, it's, it's divided leaves. So, yeah, great, great on that. Um, rare plants. So I was very lucky to be given a, a very rare plant. It's called the St. Helena ebony. Have you heard of it, Alan? No, I haven't. All right, so the St. Helena... It's not really a tree then, is it? It's, well, it's, it's not actually a tree. No, here it is here. So it's, it's got beautiful um, leaves. It's covered in this brown undulatum, undulatum. Um, and it was uh, thought to be extinct for over a hundred years in St. Helena. And uh, they found a, a plant hanging to the cliff tops in the 80s, I think it was the eight, in the 80s, 1980, I think it was. Um, they found this plant hanging to the cliff top and they, they climbed down and took some cuttings off it. And it was this rare ebony. It's actually related to the mallow family. It's not actually related to the same ebony tree as, uh, as, as used in commerce. Um, but all the cuttings, all, all of the uh, plants in cultivation since 1980 came from that one plant that they found hanging to a cliff top. So I think they sent cuttings to Kew, <laughs> to other botanical gardens. It's been shared around by uh, people. And somebody gave me, gave me a small cutting of this about two, three years ago. And it's now grown into this fantastic plant. And the flower is, it has, it's only flowered for me once, and I'll send you a photograph of the flower. It is absolutely stunning. It's, it's pure white with little pink stripes running through the middle of the petals. It's a beautiful plant, but very rare. 
and uh, one of my one of my treasured plants. Yeah, you must have been made up when someone gave you something that rare. Yeah, yeah, I've had rarer. I've got rarer <laughs> in the greenhouse. <laughs> I uh, I put one on the other day um, on on my feed, and this is I didn't know what it was. Um, uh, it, it it belonged to I inherited it from a, a gentleman that sadly passed away a year ago. And uh, it was left in his greenhouse. Nobody, nobody wanted it. So I took this little yellow plant and uh, I had a message from a friend saying, that's amazing that it's still alive. And it's a Varea rhododendron. Oh, yes. And this one is unnamed. And there are only two in, two in the world in cultivation. One in Sydney Botanical Gardens, one in my greenhouse. So, uh, and it flowered and it is it's a yellow flower of like a red center it is stunning absolutely amazing so that's probably the rarest plant i have because it's it's not even been named yet so uh, that's there's a bit of responsibility i've already had uh, botanical gardens contacting me people saying you know can they have cuttings when it's a bit bigger i'll, I'll do the cuttings but uh, i just want to make sure i keep it keep it going for the time being it likes where it is sometimes a plant it's it's turned lovely green it's flowered it's happy it's staying there till it gets a bit bigger. If you, I've done this before with rare, really rare plants and people say, oh, can I have a bit? And you go, yeah, I'll cut a bit off. And you cut another bit off and then the plant dies and you lose it. And uh, I'm thinking, I'm not, there's no, no way I'm going to do that this time. Uh, we did our snowdrop special uh, with Val, Vaughan and Brian Ellis. Uh, there was a similar thing with snowdrops where obviously the galanthophiles want to share them. But uh, I think Val had learned her lesson by splitting clumps when they weren't quite big enough because then she just lost it entirely and she's sort of given yeah. them all away. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 right. I had a very rare uh, salaginella um, uh, that, was, that was given to me and I did the same with that. And I sent it across the water to a couple of botanical gardens because it was so blue. Well, I've got a blue salaginella here. I'll actually show that now. So this is one of my... Uh, oh. it's, it's, uh, it's not as iridescent as it would be under light, but uh, the one I had was so blue, even in daylight, it was, it was beautiful. This one's uh, Siamensis. And uh, it's, a, it's just a stunning plant. I grow lots of iridescent plants. And uh, they all sort of uh, sit either in the greenhouse or under lights in my propagator. An uh, incredibly um, delicate foliage, that one, if you're listening to the audio version, just... Oh, it's beautiful, yeah. I think a lot of people won't be aware that there is such a thing as plants with an iridescence on their leaves or their foliage. Yeah. Um, Saliginella, obviously, is, is one of those. Um, but, I mean, what purpose does it serve i can only assume my, my immediate thoughts would be they're growing in the dark in the in the understory of a rainforest or something it, it's this, exactly that that's, that's yeah. exactly the reason and um this this is uh begonia pavanini again it doesn't really look it grows under the understory of, of plants it has red 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 leaves on the back to reflect the light and the blue iridescent is to collect as much light as it possibly can when it's in those this this also grows in caves so when it's in the cave it goes and at night that is that just shows it's called a peacock begonia because it's so blue and uh, that's a, that's another rare plant that i that i, that I grow <laughs> problem with following you Mike is that so many times like the one where you've only got one of two in the world people like <laughs> you follow it and we think oh I'd like that and then you realize that 
it's very rare. <laughs> very rare. This is this is this is another blue fern. This one you can probably see the blue better. This is uh, this is Elephaglossum metallicum, um, and it has when it's wet those leaves turn really blue. And that one just sits in my normal normal greenhouse down the bottom. But that's another another beauty. <laughs> so, so while I'm on ferns, oh. I might as well go to I might as well go to to this. Absolutely, this is my favourite fern I own, and it's uh, hard to pronounce this one. Neoleposaurus ovatus. And it's Neoleposaurus ovatus variegata. So there is a plain green form, and this is the variegated form. And those leaves are absolutely beautiful. They're my favourite fern I grow. It's everybody that comes in says, "Can I have a cut?" No, <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't actually split it yet. And, and, and until it fills this pot completely, I'm not going to because I just love it. It's 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 the most magnificent fern. Slug what a name though, Neoleposaurus. Yeah, 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 fantastic. Yeah, quite, quite. Really. It's, it likes it likes a bit of humidity. It sits in with my appendix. Has it had any spores on the underside of the leaves yet? Uh, no, it hasn't. No, I don't think any of these have produced spores. Oh, yes. Very, very simple spore. It's not like some of the uh, the other ones that have they fill the whole leaf full of. Yeah, spores. yeah, but yeah. It has. Yeah. In fact, I think that one is as well. Oh, yeah. Look. Yeah. First time I've seen that. I wonder if you could take a leaf off and lay it on some, do you think? Possibly. I, I, I do try ferns from sports. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people just take the leaf off and the, the stuff that actually comes off is mainly chaff. It's hardly yeah. a sport. I use some um, cartridge paper, uh, like watercolour paper. Yeah. Put the, put the fronds on that, let them dry out overnight. And, you, and it'll be loads of sport. And people say, oh, look at all this sport. That's not sport. That's chaff. Yeah. And what you do then is you gently tip the paper up, tap the paper, and all the chaff falls off, and you're left with a very fine dust, and it's microscopic dust. That's the spore, and that's uh -huh. what you should sow. So people sow the chaff, and then the chaff rots, and, and you get uh, mould and mildew and that. So the spore is incredibly fine. You use a, a very fine brush to brush it all together, and that's what you have to sow. You have to sow it very thinly, because each one's a fern. It's uh, Amazing. I think that's a great tip for everybody that grows ferns because, and I didn't know that, and I think an awful lot of other people won't be aware of the fact that, you know, the difference between the chaff and the spores yep. is that much, that, 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 that oh, well, a great difference. Yeah, there is, yes. Things like uh, Scythia cooperite, which has the orange uh, yep. spores, and, and people often sell it, they've got loads, look at all this spore I've got. That, that's like a pale orange, you tip it up, and it's like a dark he leaves it on the paper, and that's only the spore. The rest of it's chaff, 90% of it's chaff. Yeah. Very, very fine. Some people sieve it through like brine shrimp nets, very fine micros to get the spore out. Some of the experts have these very fine meshes, but the paper works just as well. Just tip it up, tap it, and all the stuff comes off. So this, this was spore grown. This is another fern, and this one will end up going to a botanical garden because this is Angiopteris effector which is one of the largest ferns in the world. Um, it, it has fronds up to 20 foot long. Ooh. It's, uh, <laughs> and it's, uh, it's quite Jurassic. The, uh, if you look at the base of that, it's very, very Jurassic looking, eaten by dinosaurs. Um, but that will get slightly too big for my garden, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's great fun to have the, one of the largest ferns in the world in your collection. 
So. And I mean, you say that about dinosaurs, but you know, ferns, I suppose they are just extraordinarily old. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah, a lot of them, uh, a lot of them, uh, I'm saying they date right back to, to, to the uh, dinosaurs, that one especially. I've got another king, it's called a king fern as well. And I've got another one, uh, a, a much bigger fern. Um, over in the corner there, which I might show another day. Uh, that's, that's another incredibly rare one. It's huge. I don't think you'll see one of those outside a botanical garden as big as the one I've got in my collection. So that's a that's another fantastic one. Anyway, right on to the next one. So <laughs> I don't know if you can see through there. Is a papaya uh, with fruit. This one here. Is that the one you gave me? No, it's a relative oh. of the one I gave you. So this yeah. one is a cross, and it's called Babaco. And Babaco is a cross between Carica uh, pubescens, which I sent up to you, Alan, which is the mountain yeah. papaya, and a, and a tropical fruiting papaya. And the, the, the special thing about this is the fruits are seedless, so you can't grow up for seed. So you have to do it by division. So you've literally, I've, I've got two plants, and one of them I'm going to top this year, so it's going to sprout so I can make more plants. But this one, it produces fruit every year. Uh, last year's fruit, this year's fruit. I have actually picked one uh, because it is ripening. And uh, the, the thing about this is, in 1980, these were all sent over to Guernsey and they had it as a fruit crop, a babco. It's called the Guernsey babco. And uh, they even, which I found on the internet, wrote a book, a cookbook on the Guernsey Babco cookbook. Uh, I, I got this off of eBay for like 20p. It's, it's a great book. It's got, it's got loads of recipes in there for, for ice creams and drinks and mixing with meats. It's a, it's a fantastic thing. But these, you, they pick them, you used to pick them ripe, and then it takes about two weeks for them to, to, to ripen up and turn bright yellow before you eat them. But I thought you might like to, like to see... Uh, it's rare because... You never see it because you can't grow it from seed. So it can only be grown from cuttings. And this one grows between about five and eight foot tall. The tropical version that had the, the fruit grew 16 to 20 foot tall. So it is quite a, a dwarf, dwarf uh, papaya. But they, they, unfortunately, they no longer grow it over there. May I just tell you that um, the two that you sent me, I planted them together in the, in the greenhouse, in the, on the floor of the greenhouse, in a, in a bed. Um, they're more than doubled in size, and oh. one of them has these lovely little nodules coming on the side. Brilliant. So I'm thrilled with them, actually. Thank you for those, Mike. Oh. It's absolutely fantastic. Nobody, I mean, it, it causes great interest amongst the visitors to the garden here because nobody knows really what it is. No, no. <laughs> it's brilliant. While that's, we're that's doing fantastic. the thankful portion of the podcast, can I thank you for Microcosmia Columbus? Because they yeah. have been causing quite the stir. Every time I post a photo, I get all these people who are so jealous. The, the oh. way that the purple buds of that, yeah, the kind of lilac buds of that Crocosmia contrast with the yellowy orange of the flowers as they emerge. It's uh, and the kind of herringbone effect. Someone actually yeah, said maybe it's going to inspire a knitting pattern. Also, <laughs> my herringbone knitting. I can have my passions interlock. <laughs> Yeah, brilliant. What was his name, Thordis? It's Columbus. Is it Crocosmia Crocosmifolia Columbus? It is Crocosmia Crocosmifolia Columbus. That's it. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful, beautiful one. Really Somebody stunning. actually said to me, one of the Crocosmia experts came on and said, oh, Crocosmias don't have at least that dark. You photoshopped it and it shouldn't, it's not that colour. And I said, no, it is. I actually bought 
down in Cornwall and for Cosmia for really, really dark leaf. <laughs> just, just so I can put this one on and say, actually, there is a Cosmia for really dark leaf. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they're wonderful. I'm very, very grateful. Uh, before we leave your papaya, I am uh, I'm interested to know whether you have used any of the recipes out of the cookbook. No, it's only a, a friend of mine took the fruits last year and his daughter at them and said they were very nice, but I haven't used any of the recipes yet. No, no, I might well do. So uh, this brings me on to this beautiful little plant, which is Saracenia purpurea times cross purpurea. And this grows wild in about two acres near me. Uh, it's not supposed to be, it's not a native plant. They tried to get rid of this. It's one of the plants they actually uh, went to the site and cleared hundreds and hundreds of them. And they sent these plants to um, the Eason Project for them to put in their bog plant, but there's still a few plants left. Uh, this, this is one of the ones they cleared about three years ago. And this is this stays evergreen and hardy. I think it's, they say hardy to minus 15. I've been told it's hardy to about minus 30. Oh. And it just does not, it, stay, it can stay outside all year and it looks just as good. And um, anyway, the gentleman that, uh, that told me about this, because somebody planted these illegally about 20 odd years ago, about four or five plants in this, in this bog in Wareham, where I, where I live, uh, near where I live. And... Um, they multiplied up. When they, when they, when they uh, flower and seed, the seeds get taken across the bog by the water and then it just all these plants just grow everywhere and there's thousands of them. So my friend said, let's, let's go out there. He came back, he comes back from Australia every now and again. And he said, let's, let's go out there, see if we can find any, see if there's any still there. So we went out to this bog and you're walking across a bog and it is a bog. And uh, we got halfway across this bog and you're sort of like hopping onto solid bits and going down to you sort of like halfway up your welly it wasn't wasn't particularly bad and and uh, Stuart the gentleman he said he said Mike just be careful make sure you tread on the grass because where there's grass there's soil he said where there's moss there's before I could finish his sentence I was up to my chest I just went straight <laughs> down had my phone my wallet <laughs> my car keys <laughs> and it was like that vicar of Dibley where she jumps in the puddle I just <laughs> Sure, help! <laughs> so, so I had to go back and drive home with absolutely soggy bottom. And <laughs> but we did find some, which was which was nice. There were still a few left left out 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 in this field, which he was he was pleased with. They look so like something whole... out of Monsters Inc. or something. They're such curious little creatures. Oh, absolutely beautiful. I've got I've actually got one of these at work, and the flies go it catches the flies. So they they go in, and the hairs the hairs actually go down, and when you put your finger in the hairs hold your finger in they're, they're downward facing hairs the flies fall in they can't get back out again they can't climb out and then then the fluid in the bottom dissolves them so rainwater sit in rainwater and uh yeah great little plant for catching flies i don't know if the camera will pick up on the fine hairs but there's there's these beautiful little fine hairs at the top but uh and it's stunning there's two forms there's a there's a there's a green pure green form as well that grows out there Amazing plant. Yeah. It is, yeah. yeah. Absolutely amazing. Um, what else? Oh, um, yes. One of my favorite. Somebody put on something about salvias. And they said, have you got any different? I think it was Gardener's World. Have you got any different salvias? So I replied to, to, uh, replied to them yesterday with a couple of mine. And this one is just, oh, it's, it's a new one for me this year. Sent, sent uh, to me by a friend up in, uh, up in Hull. And it's... Uh, 
Boliviana. It's the fuzzy Bolivian sage. And the flowers... I love just, these. Look at them. Oh, they're stunning. And they look as if they're like velvet almost, don't they? They look like velvet. They look like little hats. When you do a close-up, it looks like a tongue. It looks like the Rolling Stones <laughs> album cover. That's exactly what that looks like. It's absolutely brilliant. And uh, fuzzy Bolivian sage. So one of, one of my favourite sages that uh, I've grown this year. Where did you get that one? Uh, it was a small cutting from a friend uh, sent earlier in the year, as was, as was this one. These are cuttings I took uh, last week. Um, this is the arrowleaf sage. The flowers are okay, but the leaves get huge. Now, these are only tip cuttings, but the, the arrow, the, the leaves are just fantastic. And it's reasonably hardy. I've had it, I've had it outside. It survived winters and died winters. Uh, it, it just depends on how harsh the winter is and where you plant it in the garden. But the, the leaves get really big and it's, it's just a beautiful sage. I don't like the normal, you know, everyone's got the normal ones and I just like something a little bit different. So any, anything different, I'll, I'll, I'll grow. But, uh, oh, and lastly, I've got this little blue amaryllis. Which is, which is quite rare. Um, it's Griffinia Libiania from Brazil. And it has little pink, sometimes it has white spots, sometimes it has pink spots. This one's got pink spots on the leaf. And uh, I was just chuffed that it flowered. This is the second, second year it's flowered for me. Uh, it's just, it's, it's related to the, the Woolsia, the, the really rare blue amaryllis. So it's like a dwarf, it's like a dwarf form of that. But again, quite rare. Not many people have it in their collections. So, uh. Mike, I'm sure that, that that I mean, most of the people that are looking at this on on the on the podcast will be absolutely overwhelmed by the amount of fantastic foliage that you have. But I'd just like to ask a question for uh, because I think you know people new to gardening. Um, I've noticed there's a huge resurgence in the interest in foliage, large foliage plants in particular. Yeah. So, for somebody that's starting out um, and they want to have fantastic leaves can you recommend three plants that could possibly be i mean they might be trees but they might behave yes. like a, an herbaceous perennial in our country or our conditions can you recommend three that people could actually try and grow from seed or get their own gardens yeah and seed is easy um so polonia tomatosa i would say yeah. would be my top one from seed um, they take about three years for them to get big enough to pollard and then yeah. you, then you cut them down and then they just get these massive, great, big sunflower-like stalks. You know, they go up and the leaves yes. are 10 times bigger than normal. An, an amazing plant. And I would probably say fatsia. Uh, there are so many different fatsias. I, I grow probably about five different varieties of fatsias. Um, I grow one called Mega Fatsia, which has huge leaves. Like uh, it's, a, it's an Edward Needleham form, uh, but this one had giant leaves. So it's an Edward Needleham Mega Fatsia. It's not... <laughs> He just called it that jokingly and it, it stuck. So uh, <laughs> yeah. but the, the fatsias are fantastic plants for, for tropical, that, that tropical look. And probably uh, tetrapanics, which I know is very popular at the moment. And there are so many different types of species of tetrapanics, um, all different. There's the standard tetrapanics that doesn't have the cut leaf. There's tetrapanics rex. There's, there's so many variants of the plant around yeah. at the moment. Yeah. Fantastic. What do you think of Manihot Grahamii as a 
as a hardy plant outside. Would that work? Yes. Yeah. I've had ah. I've had one in the garden for five years, four or five yeah. years. Uh, cut it down each year, take cuttings off of it. Um, it flowers and seeds, but the seeds never really set. You have to have a really long so they won't set this year, it's too late. And yeah. the seeds just go, the, the seeds need to look like the seeds, so they're colourful. The seeds that you get out of the ones that we the, the late flower and just white and they never germinate but manihotra hammies are i've grown it from seed for many many years and i say the plant in my garden will seed grow um great great plant and fantastic foliage manihotra hammies one of my favorite foliage plants they look what about cassonias cassonias aren't hardy i grow probably seven eight different varieties of cassonia um they're they're, they're nice plants nice nice in a big pot do you know? Did you know that they've got one outside at Wisley? Have they? Oh yes, it's outside. Yeah, but it's not. It's 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 a small plant and it's outside and it's by the house, right yeah. by the house. Um, it may well survive two or three weeks. It's spicata, I think it is. Um, I'm not sure. It might be panaculata. Um, but yeah, I grow I grow lots, but I grow them in pots. Right. And uh, I. Uh, I've tried them outside and they don't survive even here down down in Paul and Dorset. So, but if, if if somebody's looking at this and they want to grow a cassonia, can can you grow them from seed? Easy from seed, yeah. They're, yeah. Um, they're very easy from seed. I, I grow. The, the hard part is finding the seed. Yeah. Sonia's the um, cassonia seed last year was first. I had to get mine from America last year uh, to grow. I grew a couple of new varieties of cassonia uh, to, to add to my collection. And uh, yeah, sometimes they do get too big, and I will have to either pass them on to Wisley or someone else. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking, you see, uh, my brain works in a kind of perverse way, and I'm thinking that if something it, it, with that you you really want to grow it and it shouldn't grow outside, if you grow it and it's until it gets too big to take in, then it can you put it outside for the summer, mm. and you know at the end of the summer or end of the autumn, you probably tip your hat to it and say, well, good luck, old friend, thank you very much. Um, I might see you next year. I might not. <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I do that with certain plants. I, I do. I do try plants out in the garden. The, yeah. the thing with me is I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. I don't like to see holes in, in plants. I don't like to see winterized leaves that have really. Yeah, I know what you mean. Spring. Mm. It just, I don't know, it might be the OCD in me. I just, I just don't, I go around and pick off leaves that are, that are holy and uh, yeah. people come around and say, how come your garden's so immaculate? Because when I get home from work, I'll have a pint of beer and I'll walk around and I'll cut off the dead head and cut off the leaves, do a bit of watering for a couple of hours and uh, make sure your garden looks pristine. And uh, and that's that's what I do. I don't, I hate to see that. I've got a, I've got a solanum here. I forgot about that. I've got a solanum <laughs> quitterwentz that I grew from. So you're saying about big leaves from seed. Yep. This is uh, two years from seed. Oh, there you go. So this is solanum <laughs> quitterwentz. Uh, lost fruit of the Andes. Uh, it's actually flowering. It's got flowers, but it has huge spiny leaves, and uh, they come out purple. And you have these beautiful flowers and lovely little orange fruits, which are used for uh, mixing with ice cream, and they make sorbets. And uh, and uh, they, I think there's a drink as well. They, they make a drink out of it. I think the they're orange fruits, but the the juice is green. Well, I think it's called Lulu. I can actually testify that that one is easy to grow from seed because um, I and several of my friends have grown that from seed and we 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 don't all grow it from seed every year but the one that does offers the other friends you know would you yeah. like one would you like one and we always yeah. say yes because it's a spectacular foliage oh, plant they are um, when, the, when the new leaves come out that purple is, is yeah, intense. brilliant. yeah 
yeah, I've got a couple of them sort of plunge planted around the garden. Mm-hmm. Bunch plant a lot of my plants as well. So even if they're in pots, I just dig a hole, stick the pot in, and then it's easy to lift out. So this 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 will actually be cut down. Um, I've overwintered this one. So this is the first time ever last year. This is two years old from seed. But I normally just grow them from seed each year because they get yeah. quite with It's not worth overwintering them sometimes. No, exactly. Yeah, so that's, I never overwinter racinus. They all go, <laughs> the spare ones just get chopped. Yeah. <laughs> And that's another one, of course, to, to grow from seed if you want the big leaves oh. quickly, though obviously yeah. it is poisonous, so just beware of that. Yeah, 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 that's that's right. Yeah. In fact, I was very jealous. I went round a friend's for dinner and she likes gardening, but she doesn't know a huge amount about it. And a friend had given her a couple of these, and I was like, I was so jealous. And she said, Oh, I don't even know what it is. <laughs> oh no. There's some, some beautiful varieties. I had a, a, a guy who hybridized them in America that I was friends with about it must have been about 10 years ago. And I think I grew about 30 different hybrids of Vicinus back then. Uh, absolutely amazing, the, the, the variants and the leaves. My favourite is New Zealand purple, because it's just that intense uh, purple colour. Uh, but it's the only Vicinus seed, really, that needs good bottom heat to get it going in the, in the, in the spring mm. when, I, when I grow them. And if you want the to see... If you want to think it was, was it New Zealand purple that Derry Watson yes. showed us in her garden, oh, Alan? I can't remember, but she had a fabulous yeah, that's, one. That's the, it was that. Yes, yeah. it was. Yeah, stunning, stunning yeah. plant. And I like Zanzibarensis as well, because that gets just enormous leaves. That's the biggest leaf variety and the tallest of all the uh, racinus. Well, I must say, as somebody who is who is teetering on the edge of trying to introduce more big leaves into my little garden, uh, you've just given me so much food for thought. My cheeks actually hurt because I've just been grinning at all of your plants. <laughs> Can I just ask, uh, just like to ask Mike one last question, and that is that I think that the many heart that you gave thought is, I'm going to... Oh, that was Phil at Jurassic Jungle. Yeah. Oh, was it? All oh, right. I know you had one from somewhere anyway. Now, would you keep that undercover for its first winter, Mike? Because, you know, do um, I... It's, you, only, it's you, only little. You, it's sort of... I would, I would plant it out in the spring. Yeah, I, yeah. Wouldn't, I wouldn't put a, a new seedling straight out in the garden. Although I've had sort of two-foot seedlings that, 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 that overwintered fine. They are quite hardy. But I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't plant anything out this time of year, really. No, no. Plant it, plant it, give it a good growing season. But yeah, that size will be fine to plant out next year. Yeah, Phil will be pleased to know that it's going to go for a winter holiday in Alan's glass house. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> yeah. It, Phil, Phil's a great friend of mine. We share plants and he's a fantastic grower. The other thing about Phil, fantastic at packaging plants. I've never known anything like it. It turned up <laughs> beautifully sort of packaged in this tall, slim box. Uh, I, it was one of the most exciting deliveries ever. Well, Brilliant. I have to say that all growers of exciting new and rare plants are very good packers because yeah. um, my, the, the papyrus that I had from you, not papyrus, papayas, that I had from you were absolutely beautifully packed. I mean, it was just, well, they were swaddled. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. I wanted them to come in perfect condition. Yeah, they did. Oh, well, we're going to have to wrap things up in a moment. We must fit in some FOMO first. Uh, FOMO being the flower or plant that gives you FOMO, a fear of missing out. And let's be honest, at Mike's Rare Plants on Twitter or Instagram, you are one of the key creators of the feeling of FOMO in various plants, people up and down the country or indeed across the world. And um, 
And because I have limited growing conditions, what basically happens is I see something, I have Flomo, I double check whether it's hardy and rare and most of the things I'm probably never going to grow. Your fuzzy Bolivian sage, that gave me a lot of Flomo, sticking its tongue <laughs> out and looking all fluffy and cuddly. I basically have daily Flomo for Begonia luxurians, um, <sighs> which I probably can't overwinter, but boy, oh boy, is that glorious. Um, but you did put up in Patians, is it Pianmaensis? Now that was hardy. I don't know if I'll ever grow it, but that looked interesting. Yeah, yeah. Some of some of the some of the hardy and Patians are, are lovely plants. Yeah. 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 But basically, daily flomo from you. I've got so many, I don't even know where to start. Uh, where are you at with your flomo? Well, I actually found a plant in the loft that I took to work uh, last week, and uh, it's been up in the loft for six years. Dead. <laughs> Um, and I brought it back to life this week, and it's the uh, Rosa Jericho. So it's a ball, and I put it in a source of water, and it's come back to life. Uh, it's just starting to green up. So my Flomo isn't actually that one because that's a false Rosa Jericho, and it's uh, that's that's another Salaginella. And the one I'm after is the one that's more thorny, which is the true Rosa Jericho, and it's hold on, it's Anastasia. Herochuntia, which is part of the mustard family. It's from, from Asia. And it's, it's another one that, that dries up and you can, you can keep it for years. And then when it, when it rains or gets wet, it opens up and uh, produces seed and flowers. And uh, it's another one of those ones that I think is, is a much nicer looking plant than the normal resurrection plant. So that's my Flomo is to get one of those. Extraordinary. Yeah. Oh, I love that. What about you, Mr. Gray? What would you like to bring to the Flomo party? I'd like to bring all of it to the Flomo party, please. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all it's feel that a, way. Such, such great things. But the reason I, I did ask Mike about um, um, perhaps hardy plants or these um, dying down to ground level with large plants is because I would like to increase my um, diversity in plants that actually do that, especially in the exotic garden. Um, and the other thing I'd just like to tell everybody is that uh, we'd had a plant fair here last Saturday and Ed Brown from Cotswold Garden Flowers came along and he had this, I thought, well, that's an old poplar tree with brown leaves. And it was exactly that. <laughs> but if you grow this in your garden and you pollard it on a regular basis, you will get, I don't know, leaves three times as large and you get these long ones. Uh, but the great thing is it's the bronze form, so it's got lovely purple leaves and it's a different hue if you're on if you're into foliage and you want something slightly different it's a common old garden brown leaf poplar tree but if you chop it to the ground every year people will wonder what the heck it is you've got and they'll be very envious <laughs> mm, that sounds interesting <laughs> the plant fair was a, a flomolicious affair it was um <laughs> it was absolutely wonderful and i happened to be there with my mum's sprig art stall next to Ed Brown, which was a very unfortunate position because I spent the whole day buying things. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I have got some very nice things, including some lovely uh, perennial helianthus. And you, Alan, got a fabulous phytolacca that we've been talking about with Krieg. Well, yes, I mean, there's a little story to this because you bought it and then I bought it from you. Uh, <laughs> not at a profit, I might add. <laughs> I missed a trick. <laughs> But because um, it, it, it's not hardy and it, it tends to die in winter normally, I put it in a very sheltered place at the bottom of a south-facing wall in a raised bed. 
Um, so the next time you come over to East Ruston, you can see and inspect it. But it also um, is producing lots of side shoots, which I can take cuttings of and hopefully over winter so that we'll all have it. And I'll save the seed as well. If the seed ripens, I'll save the seed and do it that way too. So, you know, we could be overrun with them next year. Who knows? I don't think I'd mind with those glorious, bright pink stems. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Mike... That must be the fastest hour in history. It's gone so quickly and um, I just want more. So will you please come back? Oh, yeah, I've got plenty more. This was just a very small collection. <laughs> I've got lots more in the garden. Quickly. So actually, we'll have to do it the other way around next time, looking out into the garden because they're just too big. Uh, they, they would only just fit under here. These ones would only just fit under. So uh, I've got a saramatum here that, that I never got in the picture. That's, that's absolutely, I don't know if I can turn it around. See that? Oh gosh, yes. Way. Well, that's a that's a cross between the Indian giant and the normal Star Martin Venusum. That's um, hybridised in my garden, and it's it grows as big as Indian giant, but has these beautiful speckled stem, and uh, it just popped up in the garden. And uh, I've potted up a few big tubers, but it's absolutely stunning. God, um, oh, you know how to do a grand finale, don't you, Mike? <laughs> yeah, I almost forgot about that one. <laughs> Oh, well, I, I just, I don't even know what to say. That was absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for coming back. I expect to be inundated with more people demanding an immediate return. So we'll have to get you booked back in at some point in the not too distant future. But for the time being, thank you very much and happy gardening. Thank you very much. Happy gardening, everybody. Thanks, Mike. Nice to, hear, nice to see you. Bye. Hey, 4Ds here. Just to say thank you so much for listening to Talking Dirty. You are now officially our favourite person. If you really liked it, please do subscribe because we'll be back for more plant-loving mayhem next week. And as you're our new favourite person, we don't want you to miss out. If you've got a question for Alan and the experts, you can email it to hello at getgardeningnow.co.uk. So happy gardening and we'll see you, oh favourite person, next time. <laughs>